So, um, it's going to start smelling a little bit in here. You know, in the scriptures, prayer is likened to incense at least three direct times. And um, once in the very beginning of the Bible, once in the middle, another time in the end. And it's kind of, uh, you know, referenced throughout. But directly, in, in Exodus chapter 30, all right, uh, Moses' brother Aaron, Aaron, or you can call him Aaron, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was told to, 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 light, <clears throat> to, to, to light in the morning incense and in the evening incense before the Holy of Holies, before that big veil, before that curtain. And that, it was that meeting place, all right, between God and man, all right, before Christ came to us himself. It was an act and a representation of continual worship, day and night. <clears throat> Towards the end of the scriptures, in Revelation chapter 5 and in Revelation chapter 8, you read about how uh, there, you know, the 24 elders have these golden bowls and these angels have these golden bowls and they're filled with incense. And the incense is the prayers Amen. of the saints. All right? They're, they're, they're constantly rising up all right, with the saints. These are the, these are the prayers that are constantly rising up to the saints. But, but right in the middle, right? Right in the middle of, of, of the scripture. I love how when you, wanna, when, you, when you open up your Bible, you open up right to the middle, you're in the Psalms. You're in the book of prayer and praises. And it's such an amazing place, man. When you don't know where to go, man, open your Bible right to the middle and start looking for those Psalms that, that you know what, I'm going right through, I'm going through that right here. Right in the very middle of the book, right in, the, in that book, you see King David just crying out to God. And in Psalms 141, all right, verse one, he says, oh Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me and give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayers, all right, let my prayers be counted as incense before you. And the lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. Why the word picture, right? Why, this, why, why the word picture? What, 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 how is prayer like incense? And then I look at it a few different ways, and I'm sure uh, you know, some of it might be my own interpretation, but I know much of it is, 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 is biblically based. And my first thought is that as the smoke rises, all right, as we're looking at the smoke and we're seeing it rise, all right, we recognize all right, that, that so do our prayers. Our prayers, our prayers don't remain in our mind and they don't remain in our mouth. They rise to the only one worthy to be above us. The only one who on the planet who is worthy to be above you is God. And I know some of you are like, you know what, man? I, sometimes I pray and I don't feel like, like my prayers, I feel like they don't, they don't even pass the ceiling. I think they're right there. They just hit the ceiling. Well, then go outside. <laughs> Pretty simple. Amen? Right? Because they do. They do cut past the ceiling. You don't think, you think that this little old roof here is stopping God hearing us pray how great he is? I don't think so. 
Another way I think they're likened to incense is that there's a sweet aroma, all right? There's a sweet aroma, right, that, that, that and not unlikely, not, I mean, not unlike, I believe, the aroma that each of us, each of us who, are, who have completely trusted God with our lives, all right, you know, in the scriptures, we're compared to a sweet aroma before God, worshiping him daily, every morning, from, from morning till evening, just worshiping him. Another way that I think incense is likened to our prayers is just the continual burning and the consistent smoke that's rising continually. It just keeps on burning, right? And the smoke just rises, it keeps on rising. Much like our hearts that are to be continually burning for God, right? continually burning for God, day and night, you know, burning for the glory of our King Jesus, amen? amen? We must be men, all right, and women whose prayers and worship never ceases. Amen. Our praise, our prayers are consistently rising up to the only one who knows everything about us, and yet he's still coming for us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We give you the honor and the glory, Lord God. Guide us this morning, Lord God, to, to truly honor you, Lord, by honoring your son, our King Jesus. To truly give you the glory, Lord God, that no one else could have saved us from our sin, Lord God, except for you to praise you for just the, not just, to praise you for the sacrifice of our great God and King who gave his life for our sins and, and rose again. And we thank you that today we, have, we worship a risen Savior who is not in a grave. And we just give you praise. Guide us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the church, amen? <laughs> right on, man. Hey, welcome to the church. We love you guys, man. Praise the Lord. So check this out, man. Uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're breaking into Luke chapter 18, man. We're getting some traction, all right? And uh, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 18, verses one through eight. Kind of crazy. I'm gonna read it for you right now. Uh, set, set the scene. Jesus is talking to his disciples. All right, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the guys that are actually gonna be able to initiate the grand opening of the church. All right, I believe that there are also men and women gathered around, other men and women besides the 12 gathered around, listening in. Right, he's talking to them about leadership and how this is where this is gonna go and the, and, and the key to our walk in Christ. Now check this out. You know, obviously recognizing the risen Savior, the key to our salvation is, is, is the risen Christ. But, but check this out. Here's what we're supposed to be about. In Luke chapter eight, verse one, he's telling his disciples and he's telling us, I'm gonna read through the scripture and then we're gonna check this out. He says, and he told them a parable in the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city, here's a parable. He said in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. This guy didn't care about nobody, all right? And, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. 
is that for a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, oh, you know what, though I don't care about anybody or God, you know what I mean? He says, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'm gonna give her justice so that she don't beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, here's our key. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Here's our question. Do you have enough faith to light that incense and keep it burning until you see Jesus? Do you have enough faith, all right, not to physically go over here and light an incense, but to light the incense in your heart, the prayers that are in your heart? Do you have enough faith to just light that incense and keep it burning until you see Jesus, until either he comes for you or you go and see him? No matter what this life brings, man, good or bad, live or die, will you keep the faith? Too often we get faith mixed up with hope. Hope is a great attribute that we're called to live out as well. But hope is those things that you don't see. Faith is, is, is the assurance of things that you don't see, all right? Is the recognition that, you know, is the belief, is the trust. Faith is active, man. It moves, God is not going to come back and say, okay, got faith, got faith, got faith, got faith, got faith. No, he's just going to look at you and say, okay, yeah, 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 I see it. Do you have enough faith to light that incense and to keep it burning? The key right here, to keep it burning until you see Jesus. Let's unpack this, man. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to effect, to the effect, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He told them a story to illustrate all right, what they should always be about. And what is that? Prayer. What we should always be about is prayer. Right? You know, and he, he told them a story. Why did he tell them? Because consistent prayer leads a life of faith. Did you know, do you know this? I always trip out when I talk to somebody. You pray. I just can't, man. I just, I'm, I just you know, I, I'm. consistent prayer. If you don't know how to pray, again, open your book to the Bible to the very middle, man, and start reading some of those prayers. I guarantee you, that's how I learned how to pray. It's exactly how I learned how to pray. And I truly believe that consistent prayer leads a life of faith. What is prayer? Man, it's not as hard as we think. You know, saying all these King James words, I don't know, man, I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Coming up with all these words. You know, you ever see somebody talk in prayer like you don't want to hear them talk in regular life? Do you think God is like, man, I'm really impressed the way you're talking to me today because you don't talk to anybody like that. <laughs> I don't think so. I know this, man, that prayer is, is, is essentially, man, just three main things, man. And prayer is talking with God, not talking at God. Too often we're like, you know, where, where's this and where's, you know, forget it. It's talking with God. It's, it's in a conversation with God. When you talk with somebody, there's some, there's some dialogue going, right? Is that the right word? Monologue, dialogue? Yeah, anyways, yeah, all right, <laughs> right? <clears throat> talking with God, 
listening to God, opening, you're like, does he really? Yeah, sometimes, but you know what? Most of all, it's just right here already. Listening to God and looking for God. That's a life of faith. That's a life of prayer. That's consistent prayer that leads a life of faith. I'm constantly talking with God. I'm constantly listening to God and I'm constantly looking for God. Amen? Prayer is preparation for obedience. It's preparation for obedience. Oswald Chambers put it like this. Prayer is coming into perfect fellowship and oneness with God. It's coming into that perfect fellowship and oneness. And what does perfection look like for us? Humility before God. You're God. I'm not. Be perfect. And I'm just going to follow you. See, we've been created, all right, with a spiritual instinct. Every one of us have been created. He, God says he put eternity in the heart of man. All right, every one of us have been created with a spiritual instinct. So prayer often comes pretty naturally. Maybe that's why so many people talk to themselves. Right? Because they don't really know yet who they should be talking to, so they just have this conversation with themselves. I used to do that all the time. I kind of still do. All right? <sighs> so we need to always be about a praying life, not just a life that prays once in a while, but we need to always be about a praying life. I guarantee you, you want to talk about a revolutionary life in Christ, a revolutionary life, period, talking to Jesus all day long every day. And it, I'm not, you'll see what I'm talking about here. I'm not just talking about walking around like this and how are you with this and blah, blah, blah. I'm not just talking about that. I'm just having this continual attitude where I don't hang up the phone. The purpose of prayer, I mean, the purpose of this parable, I believe, right here is to encourage his disciples then and now, all right, to pray until we see Jesus. Whether, again, whether we go and see him or whether he comes to get us. Always pray. Don't give up on prayer. Don't quit praying. Don't give in when you're praying. Don't lose heart when you're praying, even when things get crazy, and don't lose faith. Check this out. Somebody probably pretty smart said this. Um, I don't know who it was. All right? Uh, our, our, <clears throat> I'll put it up here. Our ultimate faith is not whether or not we will get the stuff we want done here on earth, but that we will stay steady until he comes for his church. This is, our, this is our ultimate faith. Not whether or not, you know what, praying in faith. You're not praying in faith. That's coming you ain't got, you ain't, that's coming that didn't happen. You're not, you know, no, 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 man. Our ultimate faith, our ultimate faith is not whether or not we get the stuff done that we want done right here on earth, but that we stay steady until he, we, you know, we, stay, we stay steady until he comes for his church. We're told not to lose heart. Why? Because so many people often do lose heart. We've been misled in prayer. The prayer is just getting stuff that you want rather than equipping you to live the life you were created to live. We, we, we lose heart. So many people often do. We're told not to, all right? Because we don't realize the heavy work. That prayer is heavy work, man, and we often approach it way too lightly. Right? Prayer requires the, the mind, it requires the heart, it requires the will to act. And too often, man, we neglect all three of those things and we only use our mouth. Too often prayer becomes a last resort when it needs to be our first trust. 
I have tried and tried again to discipline myself. Well, to say, you know, when somebody says, I'll pray, you know, hey, uh, the least I could do for you is pray. No, that's the most I can do for you. The most you can do for me is pray. The most you can do for anybody is pray. I'm standing here a man of God, and I truly believe this because a little old lady stayed in her room every once in a while when I go visit her, running around with long hair, all right, and eating all her food, and she'd be in there praying in that prayer room, all right, and I'd hear my name pop up. It freaked me out. It was my grandma. Prayer is the best thing we can do for anybody. It's like, again, like incense, man. The, the, the aroma reminds me that I've been, you know, burning incense, right? After the incense even goes out, the aroma continues. Have you noticed that? You put incense out, it doesn't stop smelling good like the incense. The aroma continues. And even though I say amen, the, the communion with God, the worship of God, the prayer with God remains. The, the relationship continues, Look what he said. Here's this, here's this parable. And in verse two, he says, in a certain city, there was a judge, all right, who neither feared God nor respected man, all right? Sounds like the guy shouldn't be a judge, all right? He uses a guy who has huge power and influence and maybe even a little bit of sovereignty in the lives, in the lives of the local people. And then he goes, and then there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. He uses a widow who is powerless in the context of that era. Today, we treat our widows a lot better than we used to, that they used to back then. But back then, she had no fight of her own. And she would be devastated if no one else fought for her. All right? The only power that she had was, was her voice to, you know, to voice her struggle before the only one in the community that could actually give her justice. And throughout the scriptures, man, here's what's, here's what's great. Throughout the scriptures, God is all about justice for the widows and for the fatherless. Continually, especially the widows and the fatherless. He's always about justice. Exodus chapter 12, there's a crazy thing in there. He says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear them. He goes on to say, you know what? And I will kill them. I'll remove them. Whoa, it's a little harsh, don't you think? This is how God started the world. Looking out for our widows and our fatherless. Throughout the scriptures, we see this. Isaiah verse, chapter one, verse 16 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from, of your deeds, and before my eyes cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. This was this judge's responsibility. It was his position to give her justice. Look what it says in, 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 in verse four. It says, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God or nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps coming and keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she'll not beat me down. Literally just, he's talking about serious physical abuse, all right, by, by her continual coming. We cannot get this twisted, man. Too often people look at this and see, see, we just need to beat God down. Oh, you need to hold on for the rest of the story. 
too often we get it all twisted and saying, this is the trick to prayer. Let's continue a pounding on God's door. All right, it doesn't say that we can't do that, but that is not the trick. We, I, come, I come to God and I pray about a lot of things over and over and I continue and continue and continue to pray. You know, it's, it's not my pounding and beating on the door that is, that is, that is getting me answers. All right, we gotta be careful with that. You know, think about it like this. Jesus himself was in the garden, all right? And he prayed and he asked God to take this cup that he was getting ready to die on the cross for our sins. And he asked God, is there any other way? And he asked him a few times. And he said, you know what? No matter what, your, your will be done. Paul, the apostle, you know, he writes in, I think it's in first, Second Corinthians, I think it was in chapter 12 or something. He said he had this thorn in his side, 10, 11, or 12. He had this thorn in his side. He, you know, it wasn't necessarily an actual thorn, but he had this ailment. And he said he prayed to the Lord a few times, man. And the Lord said, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. John the Baptist was in prison, getting ready to be beheaded. He sent some messengers to Jesus to say, man, you know, when we look at it and we read it, are you, you know, like he was doubting who Jesus was. He was basically saying, hey, man, are you, are you, you know, if you're who you say you are, I'm over here. You need to get me out of here. And Jesus essentially said, John, I'm not coming through for you the way you want me to. This is, this is the road that God has for you. So we can't get it twisted thinking that we just keep, we keep beating on God's door. He's going to give us what we want. Here's the key, man. If we trust that God is sovereign, then we must trust the sovereignty of his will. Some of us do not like that. It's a good thing you're not God. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge, hear, 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 what the, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He says, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him daily? Will he delay long over them? Will, will, will not God give justice to his elect, I'm sorry, who cry to him day and night, who delay long over them? Will he, I'm sorry, I'm reading that all wrong. Anybody else want to read it? <laughs> all right, go for it, man. Anybody over there? No? Okay. All right. Hear what the unrighteous just says. <laughs> and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Again, we look at the instance that we, and we day and night, continually. And we look at the word elect and we kind of throws us off and it basically just means a person who is chosen, all right, you know, by God for a particular purpose, a person who is set aside, uh, you know, you know and basically, you know, uh, was, was, was elected. And we wonder, okay, well, is that me or is that not me? Well, I will tell you this, John uh, 6, 44, Jesus himself says it just like this. He says, no one can come to the Father to me, I'm sorry, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up on the last day. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And if so, if you're here wondering, man, I don't know if I'm, you know what? You're here. 
And you're not here just because somebody invited you here or somebody twisted your arm or because somebody said they're going to feed you lunch, all right? You're actually here because you chose to be here, all right? All right? Why did you choose to be here, man? Because God has been leaning into your heart and you're hearing him lean into your heart. Man, you need to own that. I don't know if you, did you guys hear me? The creator of the universe of time and space said, come on, I want you to see my son. Isn't that amazing? That's a big deal. So insert yourself in the scripture here. And so I got to ask you a question. Why is God drawing you to Jesus? Why is God drawing you to Jesus? He places everyone in the body as it pleases him. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, that God has placed everyone in his body, in his church, as it pleases him. He has you here for a particular purpose and a particular reason. The only way you're going to discover that is by leading a life of prayer. Consistent talking with God. Consistent listening to God and consistently looking for God. A life of prayer. We need to be able to answer that question. Why is God drawing you to Jesus? And I know there's a thought, man, that for a lot of us have this thought, man. We, you know, yeah, but sometimes it really feels like God is ignoring me. I've heard that. I've felt that. Long time ago, until I got to know him better. <laughs> but maybe you say, you know what? Yeah, I really feel like he's been ignoring me lately. Like he's just not, not. And I just want to tell you, man, that God is not ignoring anyone. He, he can't ignore anyone. He could if he wanted to, but it's not in his character to ignore, any, to ignore anyone on the planet. It's just not. Let me ask you this. You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you, ever look at a, you ever you ever look at a text? You ever have somebody text? You ever get a lot of texts in a day? You ever, you ever get a, look at a text from someone you care about and you don't respond right away? Has that ever happened to you? All right? Now, some of you respond immediately. <laughs> All right? Now, some of you, when your parents text you, you don't respond at all, ever. Oh, what's wrong with you guys? All right? I can't stand it. I text my kids. I'm like, what the heck? Are you okay? Yes, man. I'm all right. I'm in the backyard. I'm all right. Just checking. <laughs> Freaking me out, man. You're not answering my texts. All right? But you ever look at a text from someone you totally care about and you don't respond right away? Does it mean you don't care? Does it mean that they're not important? Does it mean you're ignoring them? Sometimes, all right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes, right? Maybe you're already working on what they're talking about, right? You ever have somebody send you a text and like, you're thinking, I'm, already, I'm, I'm, already, I'm really already working on that. Maybe it's part of a bigger picture of something that you're, you're dealing with and working on. You ever think of that? Maybe it's something that, that's already a part of your plan and it's going according to plan as, as you see it because it's your plan. 
or maybe you already took care of it and they haven't even noticed. And you're just going to see how long it takes for them to figure this out. Or maybe they're asking you something to handle something and then you're handling it in a way that they don't even expect. They didn't, they didn't expect or they didn't, wasn't in their way of handling it. It's not what they wanted. I don't know, man. I know this, though. The first prayer that God wants to hear, man, he's waiting to answer, he's waiting to answer, is God, you, I'm yours. Thank you for the cross. I'm yours. Help me see the way you see. Start with those prayers. And saying, no matter what, I trust you. Throughout the Psalms, right, you, you, you open the Psalms, you see David crying out to God. And a lot of times he's crying out, you know, you know, to, out like God is just reading his text and not responding. I'll, I'll open the Psalms and it looks like, you know, like David's like, he's like, man, God, you're just reading my text and you're not even responding to me. But, but what I always see him end with is, is every time you see him talk to God like that, you'll see every time he'll text back, but yet I trust you. He'll text them back, yet I trust you. Look at Psalms 13, one through six. It's, it's a small Psalms. He says, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt like that? How long, God? Have you ever asked God, how long, God? And we don't realize to, to, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. For Second Peter chapter three, I believe. How long must I take counsel in my own soul? How long do I got to figure this out for myself and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Man, this is an honest prayer. I told you there's some good prayers in there. We look at it, man, and we say, how long, God, all right? Must say, you know, will my, uh, my enemy be exalted? Look what he says in verse three. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, man, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Help me see the way you see. Lest my enemy say, ah, I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. To that point, man, we're like, oh, that's me. I feel like I'm praying that prayer every day. I feel like I've been praying that prayer for a year now. I feel like there's this thing going on in my life I know nobody else knows about. I know, but nobody else knows what's going on inside of here. If you can just rip this open, you would freak out right now if somebody saw this. And you look at this prayer and you're like, that is me, man. That is all me. Or I remember when that was me. Or there's a time when it's coming that that's going to be me. I already know it. And I'm dreading that moment. If that's the case, if this has ever been you, if this is you right now, and you know what? This may be you someday soon. Look how he ends the prayer. Verse five. But, David had a big but. But I trust, I have trusted this is, this is huge. This is huge transition. Look at this. How long? How long? How long? This is crazy. And then this huge verse, verse five, this huge, I have, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall, not did, not almost, almost could, not hopefully sometime may, not right now, my heart will shall rejoice in your salvation. 
And look at verse six. I will sing to the Lord, all right, because he has dealt bountifully with me. And you know what? You're thinking, you know what? There's no way I can say that because right now it's not bountifully. You know what? You are here right now. You're breathing, man, air you didn't buy, all right? There is water available to you. You didn't create. There is a life and there is opportunity. There is hope in front of you, all right? And you know, if you would just allow your faith to push you into that hope, you will be amazed. What can you thank God for yesterday, last year, the year before? What can you thank God for? That's what he's talking about. You have dealt with me bountifully. How long, how long, how long? Where you at, where you at, where you at? Where were you at on that one? All right, but you know what? I've trusted and I will continue to trust. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Again, like, like the incense that's taking place right here, man. Like this incense, right? That's burning. All right, there's these ashes that are left. And there go, there they go, and there they go, like the incense, all right? The ashes reveal what was burnt up, man. My prayers have turned to praises, you know, because that which made me feel powerless, all right, burns to ashes in the presence of a mighty God, even if it's still in front of my face. My God is greater than any of that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was so happy to read this. <laughs> I was like, wow, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because there's still a lot of craziness in front of my face, man, but it's like ashes in front of God. Because he loves you. And not, every, not all of that love, the greatest, the greatest part of that love is not yet. It, it, it's been, been revealed in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what is next, man, we can't even imagine And he says in verse eight, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? And we're still hung up on the justice part, but you know what? We don't always see the justice. Many times justice, you know, when justice needs to be seen, when I got to see the justice, no, you're asking for vengeance. Trusting God with the justice is our prayer. Trusting him with what we, with what we don't see. You ever seen one of those movies, man, where this guy has been just, you know, just damaged through life by this one person or a woman has been damaged through life by this one person and they just kind of, they're gonna go and they're just gonna get this person later on in years and years later, they go and they're gonna go and just gonna get this person and they find out that the person has already just been trashed mentally and emotionally and just is a crumbled shell. You just don't know what God is doing. And I will twist it around for you because Jesus said it like this. Pray for your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. There was another one, but I forgot. Anyways, pretend I knew it. <laughs> Nevertheless, man, when he comes, he's looking for a steadfastness of faith. Will you keep the faith, even if you don't get to see the justice? He says, when he comes looking for, when he comes, he's looking for steadfast faith. 
on the return of that day, like we talked about last week, when we see lightning, him as lightning, as we can see lightning flashing across the sky, when we see the return of our risen Savior, on that day, when you see Jesus, will he see a life of faith when he sees you? Philippians chapter one says this in verse 27. This is a good little thing to kind of remind ourselves. Only let your, look at, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does it look like to live a life of faith? This is part of it right here. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. All right, are there, are there, are there, so so, so you, have, you have the gospel of Jesus. We have our life. This idea of worthy is like that kind of like an equal measure. Only let your life, right, your life, your living, your walking around life, your talking life, your thinking life, your speaking life, your creating life be worthy of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our great God and King. To live a life that says he is alive and he is right here. Praise God. He said, only let your life, all right, let, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and, and see you or an absent, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi. He says, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. He's talking to the church, not just one person. So I can see that all of you, all of you, all of you, all right, East Coast, all of you, Heber, all of you, over the hill there, Springer, all of you, Snowflake, all of you, all around, everyone, all around, man, all of you, that all of you are standing firm in one spirit. Praise the Lord, amen, his spirit. One mind, striving, hitting it hard, side by side for the faith of the gospel. So I'll ask you again, do you have enough faith to light that incense and keep it burning until you see Jesus? I wanna challenge you to something this week, and it's a, it's a familiar challenge. We're gonna do it a little differently this week. You guys remember the prayer minute? Every hour on the hour, we take a minute, 60 seconds to pray. Every hour, five o'clock, one minute to pray. Seven o'clock, one minute to pray. Three o'clock, one minute to pray. 10 o'clock, one minute to pray. But I wanna challenge you in this prayer minute to something different. In this prayer minute, I want every hour on the hour, take one minute to thank God for something from that previous hour. Just keep it up. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. Every hour on the hour. All right. Every hour on the hour, I want you to look back on that hour and say, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Take 60 seconds. Can you handle that? Can you handle that? Yes. All right. 
Don't make the person next to you do it. I'm do this. Don't do that. You just do it. Praise the Lord. And thank the Lord for the person next to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to be right here to pray with you. If you need help praying, just help getting it started. We're going to be right here to pray with you. All right. And uh, if you need help, come on and pray with us. Got a prayer fence in the back. You got a prayer you just want to write down, put it in the back. We guarantee we're praying over those a few times during the week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Got the easy part done, y'all. All right. Now it's your turn. Just because I'm putting this incident out, don't freak out like, oh, he's putting the prayers up. It was an object lesson. All right. Praise the Lord. Love you guys.